Coming up on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, Moses delivers a message for the hard-hearted. So he lifted up his rod in verse 20 there and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants right before them. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The Nile was a god. They worshipped it. It gave them life. Without the Nile, Egypt was a desert. Yahweh judged and defeated their god, the Nile River. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For the Egyptians, the Nile River was their idol. But that creature which we idolize, God justly takes from us or makes bitter to us. They had stained the river with the blood of the Hebrews' children, and now God made that river all blood. And as Pastor Xavier continues our Simple Truth series in the book of Exodus, we'll be examining the first of the ten plagues with a study titled, The Nile Turned to Blood. Exodus chapter 6, beginning at verse 28, we're going to look all the way to chapter 7, verse 24. The first meeting of Moses and Aaron had with Pharaoh was a bit disappointing for the two brothers, but not for God. (laughs) Yahweh would begin his judgments against the gods of Egypt now which would climax in the killing of the firstborn of Egypt. So what we want to do is look at the second time God sent Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh. First of all, we have the commission of Moses and Aaron to confront Pharaoh in verses 28 of chapter 6 all the way to chapter 7, verse 7. God had to get Moses back on track from the defeat attitude that he had So that the Lord spoke to Moses here in the land of Egypt in verse 28. 29, God commanded Moses again to go to Pharaoh. God reminded Moses that he was the Lord. There it is again. I am the Lord, Yahweh. And so God told Moses to speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that he would tell him. Here's the key again, real simple. The objection of Moses was was stated, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lip, and how shall Pharaoh heed to me? Remember, he said earlier, You know, if the Jews don't listen to me, how much more to him? He still doesn't get it. Success was not in what he said or how he said it. It was in saying what God would tell him to say. That's it. That's all. Verse 1, the Lord Yahweh said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. The indication is that Moses would be speaking for Yahweh with full authority from heaven. And the Lord also said, And Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet, the spokesman for Moses. Here you have the definition of a prophet given. One who speaks for God, the mouthpiece of God to call people to repentance, to call them back to God. That's a prophet. A priest goes between God and man to intercede. We must always remember that if God calls us, he will also enable us to do what he has directed us to do. The excuse is that I cannot do it when God has called me as a contradiction to him and his call. He calls, he enables. The objections merely reveal that I'm trusting in myself, not in God. The commission of Moses and Aaron to confront Pharaoh was by God's word. Always remember that. Notice, secondly, the certification of Moses and Aaron's Divine credentials is given in verse 8 to 13. 
The consistent phrase, the Lord Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron indicates that they were getting their instructions directly from God in heaven. Ezekiel, we've seen that Isaiah, Jeremiah, over and over again. This wasn't their own words or imagination. This was God himself involved in the affairs of Egypt. The Pharaoh would ask for a demonstration of their miraculous power. He says, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle to yourself. Again, God having foreknowledge knows everything. Then Moses was to say to Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And then the single miracle is recorded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, before his servants, and it became a serpent. The word for serpent there is used of a large reptile, such as a dragon, a sea monster, even a crocodile. Okay? So the word is used for various things. The duplication of the first miracle signed by the sorcerers of Pharaoh then comes in verse 11 through 13. Notice in verse 11, the confidence of Pharaoh challenged God's power. This is a power encounter, ladies and gentlemen, as much as Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Look at verse 12. The competition of Pharaoh was no match for God. The Egyptian magicians as well as Aaron, threw down their rods and all became serpents. The difference was that Aaron's rods swallowed up the rods of the magicians. Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and the word hard here now is chazak, which means to grow firm, rigid strength, to make oneself strong. It's a hardening of the heart by one's own self-will. Again, this is a rejection of the power and the goodness of God. Willingly. Paul the Apostle puts it this way in Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's the goodness of God that he deals with sinful man to turn him. If he rejects it, he's treasuring up for himself wrath against the day of judgment. The ability to perform miracles is often understood to be a sign of a person being from God absolutely. That's wrong. You remember Nicodemus in John 3, 2? He came to Jesus by night and says, Listen, we know you're a man sent from God because no man can do these miracles unless God be with him. Sounds good, right? But it's wrong. Because the Antichrist is going to be able to perform signs and wonders, and so is the false prophet, and they're going to be directly from Satan. Listen to Paul, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. He says this. And then the lawless one, Antichrist, will be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. That they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but, the pleasure, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's an f- exercise of their free will. God will give them over. They keep rejecting the gospel over and over again. Very possibly, those who hear the gospel right now during the church age, once the church is raptured and the tribulation begins, they will not be able to believe. Very possibly, this is an indication. He gives them over to the lie. 
And so the source of miracles and, and the name in which the miracle is done is key so that it does not contradict Scripture. It's the Word of God. It's going to tell me what, I'm, what is biblical and what is not. The certification of Moses and Aaron's divine credentials were by God's what? Authority. And so we have the proclamation then of the first judgment by Moses and Aaron. The foundation's been laid. Here comes the proclamation. Look at verse 11, uh, 14 through 18. The declaration to be stated to Pharaoh about the judgment over the Nile is given. Verse 14, Yahweh revealed to Moses the heart of Pharaoh. The Lord Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. Only God knows my heart. Only God knows your heart. No one else does. The word heart, leb, L-E-B in the Hebrew, speaks of the center of volition, decision, the intellect, and the will of a person. That's in the Hebrew context. The heart's always the intellect, the place of volition, where you make decisions. Guard your heart. For, from, for Out of it comes the issues of life, the proverb says. Man always has a free will. No one is forced. In other words, when Pharaoh hardened his own heart, here the word is kabad, a different word. It means to be weighty, dull, burdensome, unresponsive by his own doing. God did not do it. When God hardens his heart, he used a different word to strengthen, to affirm, to honor his decision. Notice in verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, he refuses to let the people go. This was the result of a hard heart. The heart of Pharaoh was rebellious against God to obey him. He resists the proud. You can't win against God, nor I. In verse 15, Yahweh revealed to Moses where to meet Pharaoh then. But first he tells him the condition of his heart. So when he goes, not to expect something different than God said. You understand? The time Moses was to go to Pharaoh was in the morning here, without doubt being his custom of sacrifice and worship. The Nile was a god. All the judgments are against the gods of Egypt. The place was when he went out to the water to the Nile there. The posture of Moses was to stand by the river's bank to meet Pharaoh. And the instrument that Moses was to take was his rod in his hand, which turned into a serpent. Mighty Pharaoh, Egypt, powerful. Moses comes with a wooden rod. I love it. Yahweh revealed to Moses the message to be declared to Pharaoh. Here is key. You speak only as God speaks. You give people only the word of God. Moses was to say to Pharaoh, The Lord Yahweh God of the Hebrews has sent me to you. Hello? His message is coming again. He's coming back. Moses was to declare God's command. Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. And then Moses was called to reprimand Pharaoh for his first refusal of Yahweh's command. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Literally, you have not heard. 17 and 18, Moses was to pronounce the first plague to Pharaoh then. Because God already knew he's not going to do it. But he still sends and warns him. Now, now stop and think about it. God knows he's going to reject it, so why even warn him? Because God wants to reveal that he is just, holy, good, and fair, and equitable. You understand? He goes out of his way to declare to man how holy and good he is. Not that he has to. 
but that he's willing. The purpose of the judgment in verse 17, thus saith the Lord Yahweh, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Here's the purpose. That he may know who's the Lord. Remember he said, who's the Lord? I don't know. And why should I obey him? Well, you're going to get to know him. The judgment, behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. The language is clear. Literal blood. Don't take these liberal commentators that say, well, you know, this was just one of those things, kind of red tide, and it comes every once in a while. We have proven history, yes, but the fish didn't die, and, and the people didn't stop drinking the water. This is, this is a miracle. This is literal blood, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have any problem with it. It says blood. The outcome of the judgment is given, and the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink. The Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. He's telling things before they happen, so when they happen, you know it's God speaking. Yahweh commanded Moses to command Aaron to bring forth the plague. In 19, the general command, then the Lord Yahweh spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch it out over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, rivers, ponds, all their pools, waters, that they may become blood, that there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. He repeated over and itemized it emphatically so that you can make no mistake. This is blood and this is all over. Understand? Verse 20, Yahweh brought to pass the judgment plague. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up his rod in verse 20 there and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants right before them. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The Nile was a god with annual inundations making it the breadbasket of the ancient world. They worshipped it. It gave them life. All life was because of the Nile. Without the Nile, Egypt was a desert, a wasteland, a parched desert. And so in verse 21, Yahweh judged and defeated their god, happy the Nile River. And it's stated here in the summary statement, verse 21. The fish that were in the river died. The river stank. The Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Here's a confirmation. Again, some attempt to explain it through natural phenomena. I reject it. Psalm 78 gives witness to the plagues. 78 mentions seven of the ten plagues, and other psalms speak of the plagues also. Very, very, very clear. Now notice, verse 22 to 24, we have the rejection of God's judgment over the Nile. In 22, the imitation of the magicians comes. The magicians of Egypt did so turn the water into blood, adding to their own hurt. That's pretty dumb. They do it for the first two miracles, and after that, God says, no more, boys. He puts a stop to them where they say, this is the finger of God. Next chapter. The magicians did, notice, with their enchantments, the magical arts of the occult. This is a power encounter. They're not just snake charmers. They're heavily into the occult, ladies and gentlemen, and we know Egypt history and much of that went on. They believed so much in the next life, they put all this life into going into the next one. You understand? Notice that the association of Pharaoh is given halfway, verse 22 to 23. 
Pharaoh's heart grew hard in 22. He did not heed them as the Lord Yahweh has said. Now the word hard here again is shazag. It means to be strong, firm, resolute. He hardened his heart. This was by his own doing, exercising his own will. Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this judgment. Pretty hard. Pharaoh was indifferent to the miracle. You can be so isolated and so well-equipped that as things happen around, you say, well, it's no big deal. It won't really set me back. Because you're trusting in yourself. Everything's, you know, I've got a hold of it. But let me tell you, if God pursues a person in judgment, it's one step at a time. Pharaoh's heart became harder. Notice the desperation of the Egyptian closes the section, verse 24. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. Listen to me. Gold is valuable. Oil is very valuable. But when you're thirsty, you can't drink gold or oil. Water becomes the most valuable. The most simplest commodities that God has given to us are the most valuable, ladies and gentlemen, and we throw them away. Our relationship with God, our relationship with our wives, our husband, our children, with one another. The most valuable. God sent Noah to preach to the world 120 years. Now God knew nobody was going to repent except for Noah and his family. God could have said, all right, next week, that's it. We're out of here. Never mind building a boat. I'll just pick you up. 120 years. Why would God do that if he knew nobody was going to repent? So that God is seen as just and blameless. Warning the hard heart of man. Sodom and Gomorrah, he sends two angels. They had to literally grab Lot by the nap of the neck and the seat of the pants and throw him out of the city. God never brings judgment without warning. God has been warning this world for 2,000 years. Obama just said the problem is people hold on to the religion and guns too much. I hang on to both of them. But I'm not bitter. I'm just ready. <laughs> Andrew Jackson used to say, Men, pray and keep your powder dry. You're a godly person. You don't put your brain on the shelf. Use good common sense, ladies and gentlemen. Every person has a God. It is whatever they are living for, whatever motivates them in life. Some people live for health. It's the thing today. They're consumed by it. What they eat, what they drink. They don't go certain places. They don't touch certain things. And You know, probably the best thing for you to do for your kid, take them down to the mall and go to one of those escalators, have him stick his tongue out in one of those escalator things so he can get some immunity. So he can get some immunity. We've got our kids in a little baggie. That's why they get sick all the time. You're spraying everything. Have them play in the backyard, eat at least three teaspoons of dirt every day. 
And yet with all this care, they still die of cancer, and then they get bitter against God. Why would God do this? Well, do you serve God? No, I don't want to do it. Well, why should he be responsible for you? Others live for money. They think it, they breathe it. That's all they do. They become careless, greedy. They get, this, they get destroyed, or they go broke. Why would God do that? Well, do you know God? No. Well, why do you want him to be responsible for you? Still others are their looks. They're enamored with themselves. They have mirrors everywhere. The older they get, the more desperate they get. You end up looking more ridiculous. You've heard act your age. Now, just look your age. God will give a person over to their God. You will become just like your God. Your God will destroy you. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, money, or yourself. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In the futility, emptiness of their mind. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. There it is. Who being past feelings give, have given themselves over to lewdness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. Look to our society, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have to make a list. I don't have to go far. The practice of the occult is very popular in our society today. It is the cutting edge, progressive thinking. Much of it is through the New Age, which is nothing but revived Hinduism. People are all attempting to get in tune with themselves and their cosmic energy. They have unity and peace from professionals, doctors, lawyers to the normal person. They seek mediums, demons without knowing it through meditation, contemplative prayer, yoga. People believe in the solution is in them, the divine spark in them, the God in them, the divine image in them. Shirley MacLaine in her movie, Out on a Limb, in the mid-80s, late-80s, Ended her movie there, walking on Malibu Beach. I am God. Whoa. It won't be long. She'll find out who God is. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And so we see here the second encounter as God sends Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh, revealed by the mission of Moses and Aaron to confront Pharaoh by God's word. Always God's word. The certification of Moses and Aaron's divine credential were by God's authority. And the proclamation of the first judgment by Moses and Aaron was God's judgment. And so we have to let the word speak for itself. Now, do you think any of this is applicable today? <laughs> it certainly is. Because in our society, every man thinks he's a pharaoh today. The philosophy of humanism is you are your own God. You are your own person. No one created you. I hope you change your mind before you find it directly from God. 
Now is the time of repentance, not after you die. Then it's too late. Pastor Xavier Reese has been taking us through a Simple Truth study series of Exodus and has delivered a challenging message drawn from chapters 6 and 7 today. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled The Nile Turned to Blood are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is simply The Nile Turned to Blood, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 